You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. As we're working our way through the final chapter of Yoma, the eighth chapter, the one that deals with Yom Kippur as we know it today, we begin to notice that the rabbis, as they meditate on issues of forgiveness and repentance, are also meditating on issues of life and death. The first indication of this line of thought comes in the list of prohibitions, the list of prohibited enjoyments on Yom Kippur, which is presented at the beginning of the chapter. And we saw five prohibitions, or six if eating and drinking are counted separately. Eating, drinking, anointing oneself, wearing leather shoes, and marital relationships. And we saw that of these different prohibitions, the rabbis seem to be most interested in the prohibition on eating and drinking. And indeed, they, they remind us that punishment of karet, of cutting off, is only related to eating and drinking. And then the Mishnah asks, well, what is it about eating and drinking that leads to this awful punishment? And the Gemara in Yoma answers that eating and drinking is the only enjoyment which, if we um, if we uh, desist from this, if we abstain from it, indefinitely will lead to death. If we want to, we could decide to stop breathing. But if, if you try to stop breathing, eventually we'd pass out and our instincts would kick in and take over and we'd begin breathing again. I suppose we could stop going to the toilet. Eventually, our, our, we would just explode. The interesting feature about eating and drinking is that we can voluntarily stop doing it. And by voluntarily refraining from eating and drinking, we can lead ourselves close to death. That essentially is the argument brought forward by the Gemara to explain why refraining from eating and drinking seems to be the key um, the key abstinence that we bring into play on Yom Kippur. But the Mishnah then goes on to talk about life and death in other contexts. So if a pregnant woman smells food, even forbidden food, holy food, that she couldn't normally eat. But, you know, pregnant women have these awesome desires. If she smells this food and she needs to eat it, we feed her until her spirit returns. A sick person is fed at his own word or the word of experts. Someone who is seized by a bulmus, by some ravenous hunger, is fed, even... even um, impure even non-kosher food until his his uh, in the words of the mishnah until his eyes light up and then the mishnah picks up the seventh mishnah of the eighth chapter 
What about someone trapped in a ruin, ruined building? A ruined building has fallen on someone. And you'll notice, by the way, that we're not talking about Yom Kippur. We are now talking about Shabbat. So we're talking about saving life in general, not saving life on Yom Kippur. Someone upon whom a, a ruined building has fallen. We don't know whether he's there or whether he's not there. We don't know whether he's alive or dead. We don't know whether he's Jewish or non-Jewish. We still clear the debris away from above him. We break Shabbat to save his life in any of these situations. If we find him alive, we carry on clearing away the debris. If we find him that he's dead, then we leave him. We're not going to break Shabbat to take care of a dead corpse. The Mishnah then continues. A sin offering and an unconditional guilt offering can affect atonement, can create atonement. And then it goes on. Death and Yom Kippur affect atonement together with tshuva. So the Mishnah is now bringing repentance into the into the equation, but repentance only works either with Yom Kippur or with death. And somehow death and Yom Kippur are equated in their effectiveness in carrying out atonement in combination with tshuva. Ha-tshuva al-averot kalot al-ase Tshuva is effective for light transgressions, both positive and negative, and on severe ones, for severe ones, the punishment is suspended until Yom Kippur comes and affects atonement. Somehow, the process of Yom Kippur is, is the process of Yom Kippur is necessary. providing that there is genuine tshuva. And the Mishnah then goes on. This is the last Mishnah in the chapter. Ha'omer echta ve'ashuv. Someone who says, I shall sin and repent. In other words, who goes out to sin in the knowledge that he's going to repent. Echte ve'ashuv. I shall sin and repent. Ein maspikin biadol asot tshuva. They, that sort of person car- cannot carry out repentance. Repentance is not some mechanical action that you can use to wipe the slate clean if you've deliberately decided to sin. And similarly with Yom Kippur, if he says, if he says, I shall sin and Yom Kippur will atone for me, Yom Kippur doesn't work. It doesn't affect atonement. Yom Kippur doesn't affect atonement in that situation. And neither does it, by the way, for sins between man and man. The Mishnah continues. Averot, shebein adam lamakom. Transgressions between man and God. For these, Yom HaKippurim Mechaper. Yom Kippur affects atonement for these. Averot, shebein adam lachaveror. Transgressions between a man and his friend. 
אין יום הכיפורים לכפר עד שירצה את חברו. יום כיפור doesn't affect atonement until he's appeased his fellow. We have to sort out what we need to sort out down below. We need to sort it out in the here and now before we can appeal for forgiveness from on high. And Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah actually learned this out from a verse. The Mishnah continues, Etzor darosh Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah expounded, and he brings a verse to prove this idea, that we need to sort out stuff down here before we sort it out up there. Mikol chatotechem lifnei Hashem titaru. It's a verse from verse Chapter 16 of Vayikra, from the Parsh of Acharei Mot. We've been looking at this, of course, right the way through. Right the way through the Masachet of Yoma. Mikol chatotechem lifnei Hashem. He's going to emphasize the words lifnei Hashem, before God. From all your sins, before God, titaro, you will be cleansed, i.e., to me, that for transgressions between man and God, Yom Kippur affects atonement. But for transgressions between man and his fellow, Averot Shebein Adam Lechavero, Ein Yom HaKippurim Mechaper. Yom Kippur does not atone. Ad Shiratse Et Chavero. Until he makes things straight with his friend. And then Rabbi Akiva is going to have the last word. And we've seen Rabbi Akiva with the last word very often in other Mishnayot in the Masechet of Yoma. Even though Rabbi Akiva is living many years after the, after the destruction of the temple, somehow he has a view on this process of Yom Kippur, which is going to close the tractate as a whole. Amar Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael, happy are you, O Israel. Before whom are you made pure? And who is it that purifies you? Your father in heaven. And he has a verse from Yechezkiel. Yechezkiel, I think, is a prophet of the diaspora, but I think he's a Kohen because he remembers very clearly the temple service. So Yechezkiel says, I will sprinkle on you pure water and you shall be pure. And Rabbi Akiva brings a verse from Yirmiyahu. Rabbi Akiva is making a pun. Yirmiyahu is saying the Mikveh means hope. The hope of Israel is God. God is the hope of Israel. But Mikveh is a pun, of course. It can mean hope, but it can also mean a ritual bath for immersion, an immersion bath. A Mikveh as in a ritual bath. Mikveh Israel Hashem. God is the purification bath of Israel. Ma Mikveh Mataheret Chat Et just as a ritual bath purifies those who are impure, af hakadosh baruch hu et Israel. So too does the Holy One, blessed be He, purify Israel. This is the close of the tractate of Yoma. So does the Holy One, blessed be He, purify Israel.
Hadran Alach Mosechet Yoma, we will return to you. Tractate Yoma, Ve Hadrach Alan, and you will return to us. Da Tanalach Mosechet Yoma, our mind is on you. Tractate Yoma, Ve Da'atach Alan, and your mind is on us. Lo Nit Nashay Minach Mosechet Yoma, we will not forget you. Tractate Yoma, Ve Lo Tit Nashay Minan, you will not forget us. Lo not in this world and not in the world to come. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.